We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54, reading verses 1 through 5 for our text, and I'm talking about capacity this morning. This morning it's a brand new series of messages that we're going to talk about how we increase our capacity, not only for the things of God, but for life, for forgiveness, for love, for the ability to envision bigger and greater. Can I just tell you this morning that if you're no longer dreaming, you may as well be dead. God wants us to dream God dreams and see Him do great things in and through our lives. How many of you, and don't raise your hand because I don't want to call you out even though these folks just did all that, how many of you drive through a coffee shop every morning? You know, when Starbucks come around, they went from small, medium, large, you know that, to tall, vente, and grande. Just a great way to say something different, you know? But that all talks about one thing, and that's capacity. How much coffee do you want with your milk and sugar is really what it's all about. When I was a kid and I started drinking coffee, I had a little bit of coffee in the cup, a whole lot of milk, and a half a cup of sugar. And then I would drink it because that's all the capacity I had for actual coffee. Then when I turned six years old, I said, that's crazy. We're going to drink it black, you know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. And the rest of the life, that's the way it went. What is your capacity? Capacity. So look at Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 5 with me. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. When I read that scripture, I believe it's a promise for you and I right here at Christian Heritage Church. I believe God is saying to us, as Daryl mentioned, the time of destruction, the time of desolation has passed, and God is calling us to re-inhabit this city. Can you say amen? God's desire is that this place is full, that we're reaching people through multiple things and multiple veins and outreaches every single week. Someone said to me, why do you allow so many things to go on? Why do you do the food pantry every Wednesday where hundreds of people come in on Main Street and they get bread and milk and and, uh, vegetables and all kinds of food at absolutely no cost? Literally, we're ministering to hundreds of people every week that way. Why do you do a health fair in the church? Why do you do children's ministries? Yada, yada, yada. Why? Because we need to have every opportunity to reach this community for Jesus Christ. God has not called us to shrink. He's called us to expand. And to expand, we have to expand our capacity. Put that slide up there if you would, Sonia, please. To expand our capacity, we have to get rid of some things. Can you say amen? That's what our life looks like most of the time. Packed to the gills, no room for anything else. Everybody's heard of hoarders, right? That next slide, please. It's people who save stuff, store stuff, keep stuff that has absolutely no value. Show the next two. The the point and the application is this. We keep a lot of things in our lives that have absolutely no value. Just because it makes us comfortable, it makes us feel good, but it doesn't make us godly, it doesn't make us righteous, it doesn't make us effective for the kingdom of God. Rather, it just clutters up our life. 
So in this series, I'm going to challenge you to clean out, to unpack the trunk, to get rid of some stuff that's been holding you back, and to expand your capacity for what God wants to do in your life. So there's going to be a lot of soul searching. There's going to be a lot of oh me's. There's going to be a lot of I'm not sure I can do that. But God is going to challenge you and me to unpack the trunk and give him room to do something new and fresh in our lives. When you read that scripture, it says, you who have not born. Oh, Daryl's right on track. Every believer has a responsibility to bring people into the kingdom of God. See, the problem is we think I have to have a certain personality in order to be an evangelist, in order to share my testimony. I want to tell you right now, it's not about personality. It's about influence. Every one of us, no matter how tame we may be with our personality, no matter how laid back we may be, no matter how reticent we may be, have people that we influence. And if we're not influencing for the kingdom of God, okay, here's an me moment. If we're not influencing people for the kingdom of God and bringing them to Jesus, then are we really his disciples? Because that's the mark of discipleship. Go into all the world, teach every nation, bring them to Jesus Christ. It's the great commission. It's not a suggestion. We are to be involved in building the kingdom of God. But it all comes back to my capacity. You see, if my life is overflowing with things that make no eternal difference, I have no capacity for the things of God. If I am consumed with today and give no thought to eternity, I have no capacity for the kingdom of God. So I'm asking God over the next few weeks to talk to us directly and individually, to challenge us to unpack some things from our trunk, to clean the clutter out of our lives so that he can come in, expand our capacity, and use us to build the kingdom of God. Why do we do mission trips? It's all about expanding capacity. Why did we pick up three brand new missionaries at $200 a month in support? It's all about expanding our capacity. Someone said, I don't understand why you're giving all that money to missions. We need money for Accelerate. Folks, if you get the principle backwards, you're going to go broke every time. Understand, we get when we give. We gain when we lose. We, we receive benefits when we invest. And every dime we invest in reaching the world or reaching Tallahassee comes back to us. Oh, come on. It says the bread is going to come back on the water when we invest it. We need to understand that those who go forth with precious sheaves reaping will come again with rejoicing. Scriptural principles are at work here when we talk about our capacity. So my question to you is, how much of God do you want? You want just a little God in your cup and a whole lot of sugar and a whole lot of cream, or do you want that thing filled to the brim with a triple shot of espresso? I want all God I can get. The stronger in me, the better. Get rid of the fluff. Get rid of that frothy milk that just covers everything up. And give me the straight stuff. Somebody say amen. That's what I'm talking about. How much capacity do you and I have in our life? And how much do we want in our lives? It's in your outline. Capacity means several things. It means the potential for holding, storing, or accommodating. Do you understand before you can be effective in touching someone else for the gospel of Jesus and the love of Jesus Christ, you first must receive the love of Jesus Christ. 
Before you can convey the grace of God, you first must walk in the grace of God. And the more you have, the more you're able to give. The more you can contain, the more can flow through you. It also means the maximum amount that can be contained. It means the power to produce, to perform, or to deploy. And this is where the church has went off the tracks many times. We come in and we worship the Lord. God is good. He is wonderful. I love this church. I love to sing those praises to Him. And then we bottle it up and we walk out and do nothing with it. Come on, it's about the ability to produce and to deploy. To take what we have been given and sow it in someone else's life. If the farmer harvests his wheat crop and stores it all in the granary and he doesn't feed it to his cattle or to his pigs and he doesn't save any to plant for the next season, do you know it's only a matter of time until the granary is empty and there's nothing to replace it? Listen, here's the principle. You've got to give it away to gain more from God. Don't tell me I'm too shy to tell somebody about Jesus. You just need to increase your capacity. You need to be using your influence to bring people to the presence and the knowledge of a living God. It also means the legal right or power or competency to perform an act. Do you understand we are citizens of the kingdom of God? We are sons of the Most High God. I have every right to tell somebody what God has done for me. I have every right to declare His goodness and His mercy in any environment and in any situation. Oh, I'm here to tell you the government can't tell you to be quiet. You need to understand society can't tell you to shut up. You have every right under the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to stand up and proclaim there is no other. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is a way maker. He is a pain taker. He is a chain breaker. Oh, somebody get that in your spirit this morning. American Christians have bought the lie. That we have to come into the church, worship God there, but when we walk out the doors, we keep our mouths shut. No, we don't. We have a legal right to tell somebody that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. That He's all they need and all they desire. But they will never know that until you and I increase our capacity. And it's the ability to comprehend both the nature and the consequences of one's acts. I like that. That's a legal definition. And it tells me that if I understand who I am in Christ and the assignment that I have been given, that I can't but understand I have a responsibility to share the good news, to tell somebody around me. You don't have to stand on the corner with the Bible in a soapbox, but you can tell somebody in the grocery store, Jesus loves you. You can tell that neighbor who just got out of the hospital by taking a pan of soup, Jesus loves you. You can reach out to that individual who is going through a divorce and their home is being torn apart. You can put your arms around them and let them know Jesus loves you. Oh, come on, church. It's time for Jesus to put on skin and be seen through you. That's about capacity. Expanding our capacity for God to move in us and through us expanding our capacity. I showed you those slides about hoarders. Do you understand when we understand capacity, it's not about volume, it's about value. That's the lesson we need to learn. It's not how much junk I've got in my life, it's how much God I've got in my life. 
It's what I've got in my heart that will have value for those around me, for my family, for eternity. That's what God is asking us this morning is what is your capacity, not for volume, but for value. To increase our capacity, we have to free ourselves often from our past. So many believers are anchored in yesterday, anchored in a past hurt, anchored in a past offense, anchored in a past sin. Every time you talk to them, they immediately go back to what happened. I mean, there are tons of people, I'm going to be real here, real right now, tons of people, thousands of people in this city who one time came to this church. But because they got hurt, they're not coming back again. Not only to here, but to any church. Let me tell you, it's your responsibility to call back the children of the house. It's your responsibility to tell them it's not like it used to be. We're not doing what we used to do. God is doing a new thing in this place. You need to come back and experience, participate in it, and let him wash that past away. Come on, church, that's the message of Christian heritage for 2017. It's time to move past yesterday and move forward into what God has for us today. And it's all about expanding our capacity. Everybody in this room, Yvonne and I have been amazed. We've been here three years. And even yet, every time we talk to someone about this church, oh yeah, I used to go there. Oh yeah, my family used to go there. Oh yeah, my neighbor used to go there. I hate that word, used to. I hate it. It's abominable. I hate it. Come on, church, it's time to reach out to those who are wounded, who are disenfranchised, who are separated from the grace and the love and the mercy of God because of the past and bring them back into the grace of God. They know you, they love you, they respect you, and they will do it. They'll respond to you if you'll reach out to them. Expand your capacity. Many of us need to get past the past in order to expand our capacity. First Kings chapter 5, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 5. You'll find the story of a guy by the name of Naaman. He was the commander of the Syrian army. They happened to be over Israel at that time. He was a leper. He was a great man. He was brave, full of valor, great accomplishments, very wealthy because of his accomplishments. And they took a little Israeli servant girl into captivity, and she was serving in the household. And she said, you know, there's a prophet in Israel that if Naaman would go see him, he would heal him. So when that was told to the king of Samaria, he wrote a letter. He sent Naaman down to the king of Israel and he said, heal this guy. The king of Israel said, who am I? I can't heal anybody. That's impossible. And Elisha the prophet heard about it. He said, send him on down to me. So Naaman went down to Elisha the prophet and he was expecting him because of Naaman's prestige, because of his stature, because of who he was, because of his past. He was expecting this prophet to come out, say a prayer over him, call on the name of his God. It says he's expecting him to wave his hand over the leprosy and heal him. That's what it says. But the prophet didn't do that. The prophet said, tell him, go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times and he'll be healed. Naaman got mad. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I have? He was relying on his past and he was missing the blessing of the future. 
Somebody needs to catch this principle today. It's time to turn loose. It's time to stop saying I'm a divorcee. It's time to stop saying I'm a drug addict. It's time to stop saying I'm an alcoholic. It's time to stop blaming your daddy and your mama and your children and your employer. Let go of the past and move into what God has for you today so we can expand your capacity. Matter of fact, Naaman got so mad he said, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to leave. And then in verse 13 of first, second Kings chapter five, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, and if you read that in the message, you know what it says? If the prophet had told you to do something hard and heroic, hard and heroic, you would have done it because that's what he needed to get his miracle in his mind, hard and heroic. But all we ask you to do is go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Do you understand that implication? To go to the Jordan River, he had to humble himself. He had to humble himself. I talked about this Wednesday night. If you weren't here, you need to get that tape. Humility is the key to expanding our capacity. It's the key to understanding and receiving all that God has for us. He had to go down to the Jordan River and strip off his uniform. He had to go down to the Jordan River and lay aside his wealth. He had to go down to the Jordan River and put his weapons aside and strip down and walk into that muddy water. The, the servant said, if he asked you to do something hard or heroic, you would have done it. But since he asked you to go to the Jordan River, you get mad and you're going to walk away a leper. Oh, come on, somebody. You need to hear this this morning. Too many in the church have said, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't fit. That's not my definition. I'm going to walk away. And you walk out on the blessing of God because you refuse to humble yourself and do what he's asking you to do. I'm talking to me, too, this morning. We're all guilty of it. We need to understand humility is the key to capacity. And when we empty ourselves of all those things that we hold dear, what did Paul say to the Philippians in chapter 3, verse 13? These things I count as loss that I may know him. He said, I put it all behind me and I press forward to the mark, to the prize, to the high calling of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. We need to understand to expand our capacity, we have to put the past behind us. Stop identifying with your hurts. Stop remembering your failures. Stop rehearsing those things in your past that hold you back. It's time to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ covers and cleanses. It's time to know that God doesn't put my mistakes behind my back or in the sea of forgetfulness or as far as the east is from the west, but he washes them completely away. He forgets and he forgives. And if he can do that for me, shouldn't I do that for me? Get past your past. You'll never expand your capacity for God. You'll never expand your capacity for people until you get past your past. As long as you're walking around with your arms firmly across your chest, your emotions closed up, your refusal to engage, interact or engage with anyone, you're never going to expand your capacity. You see, you've got to stop wallowing in self-pity Love the way you're shouting now. I told you there's going to be some oh me moments. I told you this wasn't going to be fun. 
But we have got to stop throwing those pity parties and remembering what happened to us 27 years ago and realize our God is a God of today and tomorrow. He's already forgiven. It's already time for me to let it loose, let it go, and move on with Him. I am sick and tired of what happened eight years ago in this place. I don't need to hear it anymore. I've heard it until I'm worn out and worn slick. Listen to me. It's under the blood. It's in the past. Let it go and move on. Some of you still need to forgive. Some of you still need to turn it loose. If my conversations with you ultimately end back in 10 years ago, I don't want to hear it. Just don't even start it. I'm not going down that road with you. It's not that I'm mean. It's I have no patience for yesterday. Because God is not doing something yesterday. He's doing it today. And he wants us to expand our capacity to experience today. Amen. We need to allow God to get us beyond the past. So many times I've talked with people. Well, I'm the way I am because my daddy. Because my mama. Because I lost the best job I ever had and couldn't get a decent one back. I'm the way I am because, and it's some instance in our past. Listen, God has saved. God has redeemed. God is filled with grace and mercy so that we can move beyond yesterday and we can embrace today and we can be excited for tomorrow because He has better things ahead for us. Amen. I love that song, Chain Breaker, because there is a better way of life. And it's found through the grace of Jesus Christ when we choose to abandon the past. Don't let your identity be connected to who you once were. Listen, every person in this room, there's things in your past you're not proud of. Bury them in an unmarked grave. Move past it. Forget it. And say, that's who I might once have been years ago. But today, I'm a child of the King. Today, I'm born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, I'm filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Today, I'm walking in victory. I'm living in faith. And I'm believing God for greater things. Expand your capacity by burying your past getting beyond it, moving through it. All of us have a story that's not very pretty. Quit telling it. Quit telling it. I grew up in a little country church. I didn't know Jesus till I was 19. I grew up in church, but I rejected it all. And I can remember those old saints would stand up and they would testify about what they used to be, giving the devil glory, honor, and credit. And even to my little mind, I'm thinking, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. The dumbest thing I ever heard. Quit talking about what the devil did to you and start talking about what God has done for you. Come on. Bury the past. Let it lay and move on. In the 18th century, missionaries went from across America and across Great England, Great Britain, to all parts of the world. Many of them went knowing they would never return. So when they left their homeland, whether it was the States or Great Britain, they didn't pack their possessions in suitcases. They packed their possessions in their coffin because they knew I was never coming back. I'm going to die where God sends me. 
See, the problem with many of us here today is we have so much junk we're carrying with us, we will never come to the place where we go all in for God. They understood this is a one-way street. I'm going to Africa. I'm going to India. I'm going to South America. I'm going to the islands of the South Pacific, and I'm not coming back. I'm giving my life there. They expanded their capacity. One of those guys was A.W. Milne. He was sent to the Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific. Missionaries had went before him, and every one of them had been martyred by the headhunters that inhabited that island. When he went, he put everything he had in his coffin. And when he got there, God opened the door. He spent 35 years among those individuals on that island. And when he died, they buried him in the very middle of the island. And this is the inscription on his headstone. When he came, there was only darkness. When he left, there was only light. Oh, come on, somebody. We need to get this in our spirit. This thing of Christianity, it isn't about being pleasured. It isn't about being comfortable. Oh, hear me. Jesus died not to make you safe, but to make you dangerous. It's time for us to understand. Get out of your comfort zone. Expand your capacity. Put it all in the coffin. And let's go all out for Jesus. Expand your capacity. If I could do homework assignments, which I could, but no no one would do them. You know, I know that. I would tell everybody in this room and everybody in this church, you need to read Fox's Book of Martyrs this year. In the first three months of this year, you need to read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Because it tells us the way we're to live as believers, not as reticent, not as careful, not as worrying about tomorrow, but being sold out, expanding our capacity to a living God and letting him move through us. Do you realize of the original 12 disciples, only one died a natural death? I don't have time to develop it. You read the book, you'll see it. John the Revelator, John the Beloved is the only one who died a natural death. But that wasn't by choice because they tried to execute him. Yeah, they heated a vat full of boiling oil and dumped him in it, but he didn't die. So when they took him out, they exiled him to the island of Patmos, where he began to write some of the greatest things we have in Scripture. First, second, third John, and the book of Revelation. Oh, hear me. It's time to say, God, I'm yours. Do with me as you wish. I'm going to pack my stuff in my coffin, and I'm following you. It's time to expand our capacity for the things of God. Jesus didn't die to make us safe, but to make us dangerous. And if you're not dangerous to a lost world, if you're not dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, are you really a disciple? Are you really a follower of Jesus Christ? Pack your stuff in your coffins. Get rid of the stuff and follow him. Faithfulness, hear me church, faithfulness is not holding the fort. Some of you are old as I am or older and you remember singing that old hymn. Hold the fort for I am coming. Jesus signals still, wave the answer back to heaven. By his grace, we will. Can I tell you that's theologically bankrupt? That song should never be sang in the church of Jesus Christ. We are not called to hold any fort. We are called to advance the kingdom of God in the kingdom of darkness. We're called to charge. That requires expanding our capacity. Expanding our capacity. Listen, it's only in complete surrender. We discover the power to increase. 
It's only in complete surrender we discover the power to increase. The purpose of this life is not to make it safely to death and then go to heaven. Although that's what many Christians think. I've just got to be well enough. I've got to have enough money just to make it through this life because I've got a cabin in the corner of glory. I've got news for you. That attitude stinks. And it does not meet New Testament theology. It's not about making it safe to death and then going to heaven. It's about invading the kingdom of darkness. It's about turning the world upside down. It's about being radical for Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm trying to start a revolution in this place. I'm trying to start a revolution. I'm trying to put something in your spirit that will gnaw at you night and day, that wakes you up at 3 o'clock in the morning, that causes you to say, God, what do you want to do through me? God, what's my assignment today? God, who do I touch for you today? I'm trying to start a revolution because the church needs to become revolutionary. We need to rebel against the kingdom of darkness. We need to rebel against the norms of our society. We need to rebel against the standards of our culture. And we need to be infused with the radical power of Jesus Christ that changes lives. You see, the Great Commission is all about expanding our capacity. Expanding our capacity. It's no wonder the church is anemic and powerless. Because we bought the lie when we come to Jesus, oh, we're going to get all this great stuff. Now understand where I'm going. Don't get ahead of me. Don't call me a heretic yet. We come to Jesus and life is going to be rosy. I'll have no more problems. There's going to be money in my bank, peace in my spirit, joy in my step. It's going to be so wonderful when I come to Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's not the picture the gospel paints. The gospel says when you come to Jesus, you shall receive power to be witnesses unto me. When we trade power for our peace, when we trade power for our convenience, when we trade power for our uh, needs being met, we are, we are perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's no wonder the church is anemic. We no longer believe in power. Well, I've come to start a revolution. And it's a revolution of power. It's a revolution among believers that say, I will not be anemic anymore. I will not be powerless anymore. I'm not taking another licking from the devil because he is under my feet. I have power. I have authority in the name of Jesus. And I'm taking my city. I'm taking my circle of influence for the cause of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody, we need to get that in our spirits. Get it in our spirit. I'm looking for people who believe in the cause. And the cause is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I'm looking for people who are fed up with the status quo. You see, the gospel is not about behavior modification. The gospel is not about a moral code. The gospel is about God taking people just like you and just like me. People that are broken People that are fault, torn throughout. People that don't really know what to do or how to do it. People that society says, you're of no value, you can't do this or you can't do that. God is looking for people. Come here, Stephen. God is looking for people just like this man. Who suffered with an addiction for years and years and years. 
But when he found Jesus, he found deliverance. He found life. And he found power to change him for all of eternity. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who will say, in spite of my faults, in spite of my fears, in spite of my failures, I want power to change my world. Come on, quit excusing yourself because of what you were, what you've done. And step into the promise of God, which is power for your life. Expand your capacity for the things of God. Another thing we've got to do, we have to humble ourselves. And then secondly, this is tough for the church. It's tough for American Christians. We have to realize we're not the center of the world. I mean, think about it. From the time we're born, we're bottle felt on the front and diaper changed on the back. And we think we're the center of the world. I got news for you. You're not. He is. And it's time to put him there. Quit saying, I don't like it. I'm not going back. How many times have you heard me say this in three years? It's time to get over yourself and lock into Jesus. I know this isn't popular in the Western church, but for the Western church to be what God wants us to be, we've got to get beyond this narcissistic, self-serving attitude that it's all about me. If it's too loud, I don't like it. If it's too quiet, I don't like it. If it's too hot, I don't like it. There was cold air blowing in the sanctuary this morning. That's because the heat pumps have to warm up. Well, I don't like it. I don't like that song Tom sang. What does that mean anyway? He's a chain breaker. That's nonsense. Why do we sing? Why can't we just sing those old hymns? Yeah, hold the fort for I am calling. Jesus signals still. Wave the answer back to heaven. By your great, yeah, let's sing those old hymns. Listen, some of them are great. I love their theology, but you can't be stuck in 1982 in 2017. Tell you what, I am so fed up with tradition. I am so fed up with this is the way we've always done it. I am so fed up with people who think there's only one way and it's their way. Can I tell you something? There is only one way, but it's his way. His way. And we've got to get that in our spirits. We've got to get beyond ourselves. We're not the center of the world. So many of us think we came to Christ and now we've invited Jesus to follow us. Yeah, that's true. In reality, he invites us to follow him. And if he invites us to follow him, he's talking to us about expanding our capacity, unpacking the trunk, getting rid of the past, humili- or humbling ourselves, and allowing him to be center of our world. I mean, we sit in the section, we sing it, Jesus, you're the center of my world. That's a lie. Come on, that's a lie. When he's not the center of our world, why are you singing lies? Stop it. Make him the center of your life. And then lift your hands and surrender. Jesus, you're the center of my world. You're the center of my life. Do what you want to do in and through me. It all starts with humility. That's why we do two weeks of fasting and prayer. To humble ourselves. To put ourselves in a place where we can hear from God again. So what is sanctification? How do we sanctify ourselves to God? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not going to church. Although I'm glad you come, it's a lot more fun to preach to a lot of people than a few. So thank you. Next week, bring somebody with you. There will be a lot more in here if you'll just bring one person next week. And if you'll bring one person the next, can you imagine how quickly this place would fill up if we would stop being the center of our world and do what God's called us to do? I told you, owe me moments. 
owe me moments. It's not coming to church. It's not a daily devotion. It's not fasting in January. It's not keeping the Ten Commandments. It's not sharing your testimony. It's not tithing. It's not serving in ministry. It's not going on mission trips. It's not any of that stuff, even though it's good. But real consecration to God is this. Separating yourself to Him. Complete devotion to Him. Allowing Him complete control of your life every day. Every thought, every emotion, every penny of every dollar, every relationship given completely to Him. And allowing Him to guide and control our life. That's what it takes to expand our capacity. We have to unpack the trunk and let Him come in. You say, well, this is all well and good, but I haven't heard you talking much about much Bible. Let me give you some scriptural examples. There was a guy by the name of Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to me. When you find grace in the eyes of the Lord, it doesn't mean you're going to sit on your derriere the rest of your life and do nothing for the kingdom. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God said, Noah, build a boat. He had never seen a boat. There had never been rain on the planet. He didn't know how to do it. But God downloaded the design and the wherewithal. Jewish tradition tells us, you know, it took 120 years to build that boat. Jewish tradition tells us that Noah planted trees first and let those trees grow. And then he cut the trees and made the planks to build the boat. Can you imagine that? He didn't know anything about it. He had never seen a boat. He had never seen rain. But God said, because you found favor in my eyes, build a boat. Now, here's the question. Every one of us want to find favor in God's eyes, right? Every one of us want to find favor in God's eyes. So what are you going to do with that favor? Because he's asking you to do something for him, to build his kingdom, to expand his kingdom, to take his message to those who haven't heard. Noah found grace and he built a boat. Abraham, after 25 years, got the son of promise, Isaac, and he tied him to an altar to sacrifice him. Read on through the scriptures. Gideon had a little bit of wheat and he was hiding in the pit of the ground. And God said, you're going to deliver Israel. When God shows up and speaks to you, it's always for a purpose. When God gives you grace, it's so that you can expand your capacity and take that grace to someone else. Come on, folks, this isn't about me. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom and expanding our capacity to bring people into the kingdom of God. What about the three Hebrews? Bow or burn, they were told. You know what they said to Nebuchadnezzar? O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. The God we serve will deliver us. The God we serve will deliver us. Listen, when you've been given grace, when you have an encounter with a living God, you've got to rest in the knowledge and the assurance that God's making the way. And that comes right back to you're not the center of your world. He is. God's making a way. And they said, if we burn, we burn. But God's going to deliver us from your hand. Know this. When it's all said and done, whether we're dead on this world and alive in heaven, God will deliver us. And what happened when you read that scripture in the book of Daniel? It says they heated the fire hotter than it had ever been. They threw them in. The guys that threw them in died. And then after the fires burned down, the king looked into the fire and he said, Didn't we throw three men bound into that fire? Why then do I see four 
loose, walking about. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. I'm here to tell you, when you step in the grace you've been given, when you plant your feet on the rock of Jesus Christ, He makes the way. He opens the doors when you expand your capacity. February 19th, 1519, the Spanish conquistador Cortez landed on the southern shores of Mexico. Two previous expeditions to conquer Mexico had failed. They were killed. Cortez went. And when he landed that day, he had 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, 553 soldiers. And there were 5 million indigenous Aztec people in that region. The odds against Cortez's victory were 7,545 to 1. But when they unloaded the ships, their cargo, ever they contained, and they were sitting there on the shore, then he said to the sailors, row back out and burn the boats. Burn the boats. Burn the boats. It's do or die. It's everything. We're not going back. We're not retreating. We either conquer or we're defeated. But we're not going to have a way of escape. He said, there is no plan B. Burn the boats. Some of us in this room this morning need to take a lesson from his page book. And we need to look back at all that stuff we're dragging along. And we need to say, God, this morning, I'm burning the boats. I'm burning the boats. I'm emptying the trunk. I'm turning loose of yesterday. I have no more plan B. I'm simply going to follow you. And God, I know you will deliver me. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Across this room today, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Tom, come back. Uche, come at this time, please. As you're standing in this room this morning, you say, Preacher, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you have just preached is what I want. I've heard about Jesus, I've heard about the gospel, but it never appealed to me. But this gospel of selling out and going all in and burning the boats, getting past my past and seeing God do something great in me, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. As you're standing this morning, that's you. You want that kind of power, that kind of an experience, that kind of a God in your life. Would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Across this room this morning, yes, 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 others. Slip up your hand and say, pray for me. That's what I want. That's what I need. I want the real stuff. I want three shots of espresso in my cup. Get rid of that skim milk. I want the real thing. Anyone else, you'll join these many who have raised their hand. That's what I want in my life. Yes, anyone else? Anyone else? All right, Uche's coming. She's going to begin to sing. Fill me up, Lord. As she sings, if that's your desire, step out and come. And we're going to meet you and we're going to pray for you as she sings this beautiful worship chorus. As she sings, you come this morning. Sing it out, Uche. Come this morning and let God meet you in this room. It's time to burn the boats. Come this morning. That's your desire. That's your that's your desire. Come this morning. From every corner, from the risers, come this morning. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... 
We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.